What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Surf and Sales podcast. We are deep into the dog days of August. It's hot as hell here, Richard, in Texas. I'm melting. We've had God knows how many days in a row of north of 100 degrees. I'm Scott Lease, founder and uh, co-founder and also co-founder. Founder of Scott Lease Consulting, co-founder of Surf and Sales, co-founder of GTM United. Here with my partner, Richard Harris. How's it going, Richard? Good, my man. Have you checked the temperature of your pool? Like, is it over 90 degrees? <clears throat> Not over 90. It's like 85, 87-ish. Like, you know, that re that reminds me of like the water temperature in Costa Rica at Surf and Sales, which people should come to. Yes. Yeah, when is December. Surf and Sales, Richard? It is in uh, November and December this year at surfandsales.com. A few slots left. Um, and again, every guest who comes on, it's really... Um, we're just here to try and pitch them to get them to come. So we'll introduce the guest in a minute and see if we can convince him to give us his credit card. See if Scott can pull out his old school one call close techniques and get that credit card pulled out of his wallet yes. uh, before we get off. Like uh, that. It's like a, it's like a live test. And by the yeah. way, uh, our guest helps founders turn content into clients. So that's literally what we're trying to do right now is take this right content exactly. and turn it into a client. So we'll see if we can pull this off. Our guest today on the Servant Sales Podcast is Mr. Luke Shalom, and uh, we're going to introduce him in just a second. We'll bring him on the show, but before then, Richard is going to tell everybody about what's going on at our wonderful partner, HubSpot. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're anything like Scott and I, um, we just want to work on vacation. We want to be on vacation and work maybe an hour a day. That's our ultimate goal. Um, and in order to do that, you need some AI tools right? Like you've got to be able to have some tools out there that work that support what you're trying to do and essentially help you save some time in the day. Uh, HubSpot's done that. Uh, their CRM can now do research, pull reports, summarize the info, craft the content and write the copy. Um, so imagine being able to have all that stuff at your fingertips, have it delivered to you, have it available while you're on vacation. So you don't have to actually run a report. Maybe you do spend a little bit of time like most of the overworkers that we know. Um, but it can also save you a ton of time each week. Imagine if it saved you uh, 45 minutes a day. Scott, what would you do with an extra 45 minutes a day in your life, which is almost five hours a week? What would you do? What would I do with an extra five hours a week? That's one round of golf. That's, That's exactly what I would, I would do. do. Right, exactly. I would get off at noon on Fridays. Right. Like that's what I would be doing. So uh, this is what uh, HubSpot's AI tools can do in addition to their CRM. So please be sure to check them out at HubSpot.com. All right, Scott, back over to you in the studio. Without further ado, Mr. Luke Shalom, all the way from the UK. What's going on, Luke? What's going on, guys? It's an absolute pleasure to be on the show. I'm a big fan. I remember listening to this show like back. When I first started getting into audience building like 12 months ago, thinking, I wish I could be on chatting to those guys talking about surfing and sales. Here we are now. I'm Here we are. Absolute pleasure. Here we are now. Well, tell everybody a little bit about uh, what you do. I mentioned that you help founders turn content into clients. Sure. Your company is Grow Solo. Tell, a little, tell the people like kind of who you are and uh, what, what you've been up to. Yeah. So um, my CV is an absolute car crash fundamentally unemployable um, I've been in many jobs over the last like seven years I'm sure many if any of my ex-bosses watch this they'll probably be nodding their head like in in, in agree, agree agreement to that so like I had a storied like 
past like which brought me to like audience building and linkedin like i ran like nightlife events and companies in the past like running raves like across like like the uk like abifa like berlin i was like a dj for the best part of seven years when i finally like got rid of all my brain cells i thought hey like maybe it's time to like make some money so like what happened was i got more into tech recruitment i was building teams for like tech consultancies up and down the country stepped into an artificial like tech sales artificial intelligence tech sales job missed my quota in the last quarter basically had to leave got fired ended up in another job in sales started to get a bit better at it started booking some appointments and then ended up working for a podcasting agency which gave me an idea for the service business i run now which is grow solo and at the same time as all this started doing a little bit of writing on the internet because at the time i was making youtube videos that only my mom and my nan watched that was the truth of it i wasn't getting anywhere of it but i saw a couple of people like mr scott lees justin welsh building these massive personal brands and i thought maybe i could do that too so just started writing online about like growing on linkedin about like um my experiences selling my experiences actually like writing content and been very fortunate to build like an audience now where we're like, I think there's about like 35,000. And that founded the agent that founded the birth of the agency Grow Solo, which was essentially where I was thinking, well, if I could do this for myself, surely I could do this for um, somebody with money, like CEOs. So I started having a chat with a mentor of mine. He wasn't being consistent with LinkedIn. I was like, well, why don't I write your post for you? And he was like, yeah, sure. And Grow Solo was born. So. It's scaled up now like really nicely over the last like nine months in a way that I didn't really think would be like possible um, to the point now where we help um, founders to scale up their LinkedIn content, dial into their ICP. So they're getting those like warm leads coming in like month on month, but also we're attaching that revenue enablement piece along where the missing- So Luke, are you, Luke are, you, are you the one who keeps sending me these in-mails that guarantees me so many scheduled meetings a month? No. Like, is that you? <laughs> no, it's, it's not it's not it's not it's not but it's uh the, the gap in the market really with personal branding at the moment is everybody's like out here shouting about like this tangible roi but the real tangible roi comes from the ability to convert the engagement that you generate with a personal brand into qualified meetings with your icp that's the missing link and that is what we're trying to achieve at the business at the moment that is probably the worst, like in a nutshell approach. I feel like I'm in some sort of interview right now. I'm getting like flashbacks. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. Scott's on looking a, at me, you know, looking at his watch at the wall, going. We're gonna deconstruct Luke's elevator pitch. Yeah, on, on a scale of one to ten, Luke, on a scale of one to ten, how well was your elevator pitch there? What would you give yourself? Listen, brother, like it's all good. Like we're just, we're just, we're just shooting the. Well, give me a number. What are you gonna give me a seven? You can't choose seven because everybody cops I'm not, choose, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not. I can't possibly like grade myself. Like I give myself sure a ten. Not delusions of grandeur. Give yourself a ten. There you go. I'm a LinkedIn well, personal brander. Like, do you know what I mean? Give yourself like, a ten. Do you <laughs> think? Do you think? That, do you think that uh, the expectations that people have around building a brand? are completely out of whack like i think that people think that you can have this meteoric rise um and they don't see how long you know it takes do you think that the meteoric rise is possible or do you think that the expectations are out of whack 
I think it comes down to like a couple of things. It depends on the niche that you're in, how popular that niche is. If you're trying to build a personal brand around, I don't know, selling stamps on LinkedIn, there's probably not going to be a very large audience, which is going to bandy around that. So you can have that like massive rise to like, like audience building, like being becoming infamous within a niche. But if it's something like LinkedIn growth or sales GTM, they're much wider niches. There's much more people that are in that niche that will follow you. So yes, I think people have got a bit of a twisted image saying they see the LinkedIn growth guys and they think my rise in audience building is going to be the same. And a lot of the times, like it isn't, that's just, the, that is just the blanket truth of it. Um, because of the amount of people in the niche itself. What do you, when you get a client, right? And this was, uh, you know, your opinion, like this is an aggregation of your experience. What do you think their expectations are in terms of building this engagement place, right? Like I think, you know, as I was listening to you, you know, you're, you're working to transfer engagement to, to meetings or leads and stuff like that, right? So. What is their expectation coming in and how do you level set them? How do you go, uh, yeah, Scott, yeah, this isn't going to work in a month. Yeah. So I guess that would, that, that comes down to setting their expectations, running deep discovery. And that like, that happens like right at the start of the sales process where you're really trying to like anchor in like, Hey, like transparent question, Scott, like what would success look like to you in like 90 days being getting clear on what actually the metric is that's important to them. Like, like getting clarity on that. And then, that being reflected in that mutual action plan before they've even signed and like onboarded onto the contract. Because if you don't set the expectations before they come on board, they might be thinking, hey, Luke, look, we've been running this for four weeks. Why don't I have 20 clients? But it's because you never set the expectations. Yeah. Do, do you find that people get hung up on the engagement metrics, vanity metrics? depending on what is the metric that was most important to them originally because then you've got to remind them on like what the parameters you set like if say somebody said to me like hey luke look i'm gauging the success of this engagement on us getting um up to the point of like 10 signups within like six months and that will add like i don't know like five figures of attributable revenue and they start talking to me about engagement metrics and i say hey look completely understand like why that's important to you but look we're hitting these signups take it back to the revenue Right. That is what they originally wanted. And you have to like, there's a constant yeah. process of like almost qualifying, like what reminding yeah. them of the value, but also like one of the, yeah. one of the things that one of the, I don't do what you do, but one of the things that I um, often run into with founders and, and companies, which is what I, my work is primarily with is all they want to do is talk about the company. All they want to do is talk about the product. And then there's a real reluctance to like, deviate from that and kind of open up be vulnerable talk about their background i mean anybody who listened to you give your uh story there at the beginning like you started with vulnerability you're like yeah I sort of sucked i, I got fired I fails into that fell into this it's like that's very scary for some people right um and so i'm always trying to tell people like you have to open up you can't just talk about your product all day long or, or your service all day long it's boring as hell it's dull do, do you find that uh that's common and, and and if so like how do you get people to open up so they're willing to talk more about you know some authentic real life stuff personal stuff 
That's a really, really good question. And that is something that I do find challenging myself. And um, because it's like a fine line, like you do need a level of vulnerability for a personal brand for it to be authentic, right? But there's also there's a fine line between um, it adding to the, I guess, the efficiency of the brand and actually damaging credibility. Like, I think there's only so much you can reveal. But in regards to like, what, maybe you disagree with me in that respect, like, that's okay. But um, what I'd say with partners is it comes down to the relationship you'd have with the client. And also, I think in that initial period, we do something called like a story mapping piece where we get clarity on like what their like founder story is. It could look like something like this. It would be like, imagine a time in your life where something happened right along their like founder journey. You're looking at like the internal struggles. What were they going through at the time? How were they feeling? The external struggles, what was going on externally to them within this story. And then like, there's other facets of like, 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 what was the spark event where everything changed? Was there a guide? Was there a mentor? And then you can ease them into the story by just like almost writing it down, being objective and say like, hey, which of this story would you feel comfortable sharing? And then once you've set the like the guidelines of what you're like, they are happy to share, then you can create content around that. And um, rather than it just being like, hey, let's ad hoc do this on a call. And maybe you reveal something that actually you don't want shared. And that some might raise problems down the line. I don't know if I answered that in the best possible way. But you did. I've, I've got a I've got a different approach. Scott knows me on this one too. And um, you know, my shorter answer would be something like, Scott, what the shit? You're really confident about your product. Why are you so not confident about yourself? What are you ashamed of? <laughs> I love it. Well, and like, you know, and again, what's stopping you? <laughs> what's stopping you from sharing it, bro? Yeah, like, what's your fucking problem, dude? Um, <laughs> but you know, Scott knows me well enough to know that you know, yeah, that sounds like something Richard would say. But he, he <laughs> yeah, Richard will say that here, but he might not say it in front of somebody. <laughs> you but, have a uh, blunt end of the night. Yeah, good job. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, that will resonate with some people, but I, I, I see a lot of people just really struggle with that element what do you yeah i'm gonna interrupt one more time sorry scott um luke you know you sort of said hey they may not want to reveal something um which is interesting you know my my wife tells me all the time because i talk about anxiety and depression and mental health that you know a lot of people aren't as far in their journey as i am right and they're not comfortable talking about stuff which is fine uh scott's pretty open about his stuff too um what are what are the things that you think people want to hold back from and then what do you help and the reason i'm asking this is for those listening what would you say is okay to start to share right because i think i agree with you a lot of times people are like when you ask them to be vulnerable they think we're saying be vulnerable about your most vulnerable thing mm. which is not what you're trying to say Luke, right like you're saying hey you don't have to go and tell everybody you know, you had three DUIs and, you know, whatever, or something like that. Like, that's not what we're talking about, you know. Um, how do you help them find that balance? Because I agree with you, this authenticity and being able to be vulnerable and emotional about something, what is that? How do you coach them to that? Because I think a lot of people struggle with that. 
so in my mind i always think of the like the before and after diet picture like the guy who's like really overweight down in his luck depressed like no girlfriend like nobody goes near him but then he the after picture that was me 30 years ago yeah <laughs> guy with the eight pack the rip like the abs like the, the, the proper business all this stuff and that before and after story is very very powerful but if you only have the negative image in your mind and you're only ever parading like, Hey, like, like my present, my, my present reality right now. Like if you were always parading, like, Hey, this sucks. Like I am depressed or like, I'm feeling very anxious. Things are not going well for me at the moment. I think customers or even like potential partners need that contrast frame for like where you were and where you are now. That's the power of vulnerability. Um, I think, if you always go on about the negatives with what's what's very current for you, it does run the risk of people going like, is this guy credible? Like, will this guy carry my business? Will he be able to deliver me results? And I know that sounds really like, I'm not trying to shame anybody who's talking about their, their current burnout or like mental health. I released a post the other day about anxiety, but the framing of that idea is always anchored towards like where I was and where I am now. That's the power of it before and after. I could be wrong. I think that's great. I love what you said, just sort of finding that that um, uh, the value between vulnerability and negativity and then I can't remember the words you use, but like not ethical, but but does someone have something to add? Like if you're constantly negative all the time then that's how you're seen, like, how is this person really going to help me? Um, and, and to your point, because I talk about the same topic, you know, when you frame your experience in a way, at least for me, of what I could walk away with, what I walked away with, or explain how you're trying to help others, then it doesn't feel so negative, at least to me. Like that's no. that's a Richard version of that. I don't know that that's how you feel. I think I think like building on the idea of like if we were to look at this from the standpoint of building like an authentic personal brand, which is going to attract people to you and maybe like increase the I don't know, whatever like authority you have online, it can be a very powerful thing to like add that layer of like humanity to it and like have that layer of like, hey, this is where I was and this is where I got to. But I think if it's happening in your present day and that could almost question your credibility or question like maybe your ability to provide a service to like your ICP, I wouldn't share information which could potentially like throw a spanner in the works. Like it's like shooting yourself in the foot. Like if I turn around and start saying like, we're not delivering for any of our clients. Like we've got clients leaving left, right, and center. Like who's going to want to work with me? That's that's just the reality of it. They won't like because it's damaging your credibility. But if you're, I don't know. Like, what do you think, Scott? I think people worry too much about uh, too. We worry too much about what people are going to think. Richard said to me one time a long, long, long time ago. Even X segment of the population has money too. They're going to spend money. He was saying this to me in the context of like, you better be careful of what you say, Scott, or like this segment of the population won't want to work with you. And I'm like, well, I really don't want that segment's money. I really don't care. I want to just like be who I am, say what I feel and think. And that will, in my opinion, draw the right types of clients, partners, recruits, whatever, all of the stuff I want my way. And I don't care about the people that turn away and kind of go down a different direction. So if I'm a 
a founder or a solopreneur or whatever, I'm trying to build like a brand. What I feel is you should be who you are and lean into that because in leaning into it, it will bring the right people your way. And anybody who judges you and is like, oh, I don't want to work with this company because the founder was talking about their, you know, personal struggles or whatever, or some mistake that they made. I don't want to work with that person anyways. That's my, that's that's my vantage point. That's, yeah, fair. That isn't exactly what I'm saying though. Like what I'm saying is uh, I'm saying that's, it's a really important point to like showcase like your struggle, showcase the parts of the story, which weren't always like people hate perfection. Perfection, perfection is just ultimately creepy. If you know that somebody is like gone from like, gone from a hard time to a better place it makes the person more relatable it makes the person more trustworthy like yeah but a lot of people don't want to talk about yeah. that because they think yeah. that by talking like, about that somebody won't want to work with them yeah so what and i'm, I'm getting at anybody is, who feels yeah. that way is not somebody worth working with anyway a hundred percent but what i'm saying is the necessary to, for it to be an effective founder story you could shoot me down and disagree with this i think there does need to be a transformation there like it's not always going to be like sunshine and raise it roses in right. your day to day you can be honest but if you can say like this is where i was at this point especially yeah, 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 yeah. that's why i really like your story because you're like i had these health problems and then i overcame them i built this massive business sure. for me you instantly become more trustworthy more aspirational because of that transformation yeah you have to talk about more. i get that I, yeah. I agree i agree with that let's talk about let's talk about something that may or may not threaten you in particular but but all of us <laughs> how long does it how long do you think it'll take before AI has the capacity to do all of this kind of content creation, brand building stuff, rendering you and your service useless. <laughs> you can say never. You can say never, and that I'm totally wrong. No, you know what? Like, I think candidly, I think on the personal branding ghostwriting space, I reckon there is. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I reckon there's a sell by date of max two years. And then mm. well, the whole thing explodes in on itself. Every AI, if GPT-5 comes out at the end of the year and it can write copy as good as a copywriter, then yeah, like it's going to make the service like redundant. But, the, the, but at that point, it will be the job of the entrepreneur or the job of the creator is to like, it's going to move towards more knowledge work, right? Like, can I build the prompts that will help them to create these processes? Can I build the sales processes which are going to allow them to close more deals? If they've got this content sorted, or, it's just going to evolve. Like that's or, that's. Or, so I, I disagree. I disagree. When it gets to that point, when there's a copy editor, right? Scott still doesn't want us to take time to work with ChatGPT to do it, unless ChatGPT, unless the service is such that it, here's your post for today, Scott. Right? If that happens, then Luke, you might be out of a role. But even then, someone still needs to manage all this and execute on it now again in five years or ten years the copywriting piece may be connected to the linkedin which is connected to the right like for how we all do business that might change but at the end luke i'm still you know part of the reason scott's hiring you or i'm hiring you is to save me time so i can go do something else right and That's so there, there's some so i don't think it's i don't think it's as dire right if anything does it help luke scale Right. If Luke's got 10 clients and the machine's working well enough to send the right message for Luke to use 
for all 10 of those people at five in the morning and Luke can copy and paste it versus sitting there having to figure it out himself. Well, now all of a sudden Luke can scale himself and do Scott and I really care whether you wrote it or the machine if we think it sounds like us? It's an interesting, it's an interesting question. I think that there is a sell-by date to use Luke's phrase, which I love. There is a sell-by date where all of those things that you're mention, mentioning when you're saying like, well, if this, then that would be a problem. Right. All of those things are going to happen. Oh, well, yeah. The question, right. The question but is, then, the, but the then question there'll be a new if tomorrow, if two months from now, or <laughs> three years from now, or 20 years from now. But then, but then who's going to monitor it for you, Scott? I'll have a different sure fucking right. AI that monitors it, monitors it for me. Scott, even though HubSpot's our CRM, what is your CRM, Scott? I'm just saying it could be a different robot. Right. But you, well, Scott, will never employ a robot. No, but, so, but, what, but what will maybe happen? Maybe What I was going to say is what, what will happen is it will force the business owner like Luke or like us to evolve. Yes. Yeah. And or diversify. You see, here's the thing that I find interesting, and maybe Luke can shed some light on this. Yeah. The last three years have been ripe with chatter about you need a side hustle, you need to diversify your income streams, all this kind of stuff. And then somebody starts doing that and they end up leaving their full-time job for whatever reason and they become a solopreneur. Yeah. And they're all in on their business. But what if that particular line of business disappears or is in trouble? Why aren't yeah. you diversifying as a creator, solopreneur, business owner? Like if Luke's, if Luke's ghostwriting service disappears, where does Luke's business go next? That's what I think about all the time. So yeah. I'm always I'm always trying to be involved in lots of different things to kind of safety net myself in case one of my businesses just like tanks and the robots kill it completely. Like, what else could I be doing that the robot can't get at yet? That's what I'm thinking. What are those startups that your best is going to IPO? Like, what are you advising about 100 Yeah, exactly. Maybe. That's exactly right. Like, where else they can I earn? Where else according, can I earn? According to Scott, they better IPO in the next six months. Yeah, they better. They better, buddy. <laughs> well, they should have IPO'd, you know, 18 A couple of them. Ago. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh so so what is that so if you're thinking about that luke so you you said hey i'm thinking about this yeah and to scott's point you know does that scare you as an entrepreneur because i could see this like you know this ai thing particularly people in sales doing the side hustle might be freaking people out from even starting their side hustle how do you manage that anxiety fear do you see it as a challenge with excitement like I think the whole draw of like like um being a business owner is the inherent like uncertainty of it. Like I don't know what I'm gonna be doing in like three months. Yeah, I can have a business plan, but a business plan is just an educated guess. Like we started the business by like jotting down some ideas on a napkin in a restaurant. Like I've sort of sort of just been riding at the seat of my pants ever since then. Yeah, I do have an eye on like what's coming on the horizon, but I know that right now I'm stacking the necessary skills you could say that career capital, like heavy inverted commas to throw a bu buzzword in there, like sales skills, the ability to write prompts, the ability to write, the ability to market, might just shift to knowledge work. Like right now, like I'm moving more towards like a leverage coaching offer with like somebody in the B2B space and you're just trying to get fingers in more pies. But yeah, I'm that's open right. to changing. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not attached to what I'm doing. Like, yeah, and I'm of the opinion that's the right way to do it. And that's the right kind of mindset. 
So you're starting to do some coaching. You'll probably start to branch out and do this other thing. And either your last sentence, I think, is absolutely critical. Is you're not necessarily attached to any one particular line of business or thing that you're doing. And I've seen a lot of people, a lot of creators, a lot of solopreneurs get very attached to the one thing. And that one thing not go as well. And before you know it, they're back to where they were, you know, three years back ago. Back behind the desk. Back behind the desk. We're back the in the <laughs> office selling a solution designed to help people not be in the office. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to it. The guy selling the HubSpot. <laughs> yeah. Non-sponsor shout out there. Speaking of, Richard, time for the, uh, what do they call this, Richard? The mid-roll? Yeah, this is the mid-roll. Yeah. Um, the other yeah. music? So, like yeah. Luke is going to hum a little tune on a real low in the background. Right, exactly, exactly. Actually, excited for this one. I mean, I'm always excited for him, but this one's for a podcast on the HubSpot Podcast Network called The Science of Scaling uh, with our friend Mark Roberge. For people who don't know, Mark was the founding CRO at HubSpot. He's now a senior lecturer at Harvard Business School uh, and co-founder of Stage 2 Capital. He sits down and talks with a ton of successful sales leaders to learn their secrets, maybe share their mistakes so that you don't have to make them. Um, he's got a really good one that I listened to the other day, and I'm not a huge podcast guy, but I did listen to this one about aligning sales and marketing with Mike Weir, who's the CRO over at G2, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so if you're ever wondering how to do these things, be sure to check out the science of scaling with your host, Mark Roberge, also on the HubSpot Podcast Network. And Scott, back to you in the studio. Very smooth. That might have been your most effective mid-roll ever, Richard. Well, it's probably because, one, I mean, probably, well, we did Barrows and his was good, but that's because we know him. I don't him. know. You're, you're, that was very Mark effective. Email. That was very yeah. effective. Okay, Luke, hard-eating questions time. What are Richard and I doing wrong with our content? <laughs> oh. What are you doing you wrong? Hour. Yeah, yeah. You got to criticize, criticize us, critique us. Okay, I'm gonna roast. I'm gonna roast your post. This should be like a feature of the show. Roast your post. Welcome back to roast uh, my post. Scott, we're supposed okay. to be selling him to come to surf and sales. I think he just sold us to hire. Yeah, he him. did. Well, he, he, right, what okay. he should do is that he right. should like he should create his own show and just call it roast my post. Roast mm -hmm. my post. All right, Scott. So yeah, you're talking you about go. yourself in the third person. Um, in your about section, that's a, that's an interesting choice. Actually, no, I'm wrong. Scott Lee's consulting. Nice. I think it does a very good job of talking about your. Oh, he's looking at my profile. Roasting my profile. Uh, my I think I think maybe this could be geared a little bit towards maybe your like ideal client persona. You might get a few more inbounds for your biz that way. That could be a good thing. Also, how does the how does the, how do the people reach out to you to like work with you? Is that clear on the about section? You could change that. Um, as far as like content, um, should he, ch should he change his picture? Friend. Should he change his picture? Should he change his picture? Um, nah, I don't know. Like, he looks like a cool surf dude on it, six time sales leader. It's got a little sale, like surfing emoji on there. I think it fits with the vibe. I think if he was in a four, if he was in like a, a full suit with a surfer picture on the emoji it might look a little bit odd but he's he's got that he's got that surfer vibe i'm not going to mess with that 
I think your content's solid, bro. Like, I don't think I could change anything about it. Like, like. All right, let's do, let's do, let's do Richard now. I got a good, I got two good pieces of advice for my about section. I'll take that. Okay, like I need Richard to drop his um, profile so I can roast it. <laughs> All right, hold on. I'll find it. That's not a good sign, Richard. That means he doesn't even uh, know how to find your profile. Oh, dude, no, I don't mean it like that. Problem. This is for efficiency. I feel that's really not bad. my problem. That's his problem. No, but it is your problem, Richard. It it sounds like you uh you need some you need some visibility and positioning, uh, maybe on LinkedIn. I could be off base with that one though. No, top cold calling voice, fifty five thousand. Man has got more followers than I have. Very good. Hey, okay, let's have a look at this. Getting laid off inspires the entrepreneurial spirit around one simple thought. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I like I like that. Why make our money when you can make us? I think maybe you could start like maybe your post with like a bit more of a like a like a like a polarizing line. Like I think that why make money for others when you can make it yourself is a stronger line to start with than getting laid off. In that is a good line. That, is, yeah. so that would be something I would say is maybe take a look at your hooks. I think your feature section is brilliant, brother. Like you've got all of your like um, offers there, like um, your about section remember nobody cares what you do they only cares what pains you solve that's great okay once again could be angled more towards your ideal client persona taking them through like imagining linkedin as a landing page what are the challenges they're experiencing how do you help them like what are some like client results you've delivered this and is then, great like, this, is, this is like the uh social version of like a batting cage like a role play yeah like a pitch role play but you, but you just everybody who's listening just is like oh gotta go look at my profile i gotta go see these things and by the way for anybody who's interested in working with luke they just saw like what his brain does on the fly you know, <laughs> no so preparation like, whatsoever <laughs> job well job well done job well done it sounds like maybe uh richard's about section is better than mine but maybe my content is better than richard's i, that's I my, think that's my main takeaway i just want to make sure that we that are sounds at least clear, time, that yeah, we're at least time yeah, that that's your content is better than mine. I don't have a problem. We're tired. We're tired. We're tired. We're so, tired. Luke, we're uh, getting, yeah. getting, we're getting towards the end of the show here. We like to flip things around and okay. say, "How can we be helpful to you? Do you have any questions for us?" And uh, yeah, just try to try to serve you a little bit. Okay, um, you guys have been running businesses for far longer than I have. I'm very green to entrepreneurship. If you could go back to the age that I am now, the age of 28, and uh, knowing what you know now, what would you do? At the age of twenty-eight, I, I am I am I am I at the age of twenty-eight in nineteen in twenty twenty-three no, or no, in the age now, of twenty-eight? No, in this current time period now, with all the lessons okay. that you've learned, what would the advice that you'd give yourself to ten x your results? Sounds so cliche, but that was what I that's what I want to know. It's tough because you've done what I wish I'd done at 28. Like that's an honest answer. Yeah, the honest um, answer is you're crushing us at 28. Yeah, we were 28. <laughs> no, no, no like what you're doing now. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what even? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Uh, I'm just waiting for Richard to spit his answer out. So I think I think I think the question would be, and I don't know you well enough, is, um, can you scale this to YouTube or TikTok? Do you want to? Do you want to take this capability you have, right? Of essentially each piece of content you help write isn't a piece of content on LinkedIn. It's an asset that could be used everywhere. 
and what's your approach to that based on your client's needs? That might be one thing, right? Like, so you spent the last year building this out, proving your model, you've got product market fit, right? Is there another piece? Can you take Richard who's paying you X for LinkedIn and saying, okay, Richard, I want to go do your, your Twitter, or I want to go do your this. Um, and you probably need to talk to a bunch of people, see if, if they, if they even want to do that. Like, you know, if you approach me with it, I'd be like, you know, if I were going to try and expand Twitter, honestly, the only reason I'd want to do it is I just want to get more visibility than Scott does on Twitter. Cause I just, cause I don't, <laughs> but that's, but that's cause I don't put time into it. Scott puts time into it. So in fairness, he should have more visibility, right? Which means that my ego is making that decision, not my business head that says, oh, here's how I see Twitter to help me with business. Right. So finding those. So that might be the one thing I'd encourage you to think about okay. in the next six months. Do you need want desire? Is it possible to scale this to take your current clients and grow them? As in addition to finding new clients. So increase the, the LTV of the clients that I already have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and just think of everything you do as it's an asset. Right. It's not, you know, you write these posts. Those are easily chopped up into little tweets those are easily TikToked to something you know even with animation or whatever you know i don't have time to record shit up for TikTok. um you know with ai i might like you know get brad pitt to do my stuff and then you know just be funny about it so but um that's my suggestion scott how about you what i tell myself if i was running my business right now but i was 28 that's the question right Correct. Knowing what you now know yeah. about business and success. I would, uh, I would diversify across platforms, which Richard sort of touched upon, but I'm just kind of saying it in a different way. I've done a really effective job of building my brand on one platform and frankly, a piss poor to non-existent job of doing it anywhere else. Um, that would be one thing. The second thing would be I would try to start sooner in terms of diversification, which we talked about a little bit before, diversifying my uh, portfolio of companies and streams of, of income. I would start sooner. I, I waited a, a little bit longer than I would have wanted to. Um, I would be hyper, hyper focused on my ideal customer profile and say no to a lot of people that I ultimately said yes to. Um, for example, people who haggle with you about the price, even when you end up working with them, they tend to be a pain in the ass in my experience. They haggle about everything. Exactly. People who haggle about the contract, that person ends up being a pain in the ass. Um, you know, so just lessons learned like that. I've, I've, I've gone outside of my ICP a few times because I thought I liked somebody or because uh, you know, the project was cool or, you know, maybe I needed or wanted the money and got greedy or desperate. All of those I would skip and, and, and like literally rather go play golf that day than like do that work for that extra amount of money or go, surf. Or go, go surf that day. And that's something that we all fall victim to sometimes because we get greedy and we're like, shit, I can make an extra 10K by working with these people. How do I say no to that? Or you're like desperate. You're like, fuck, I haven't closed anybody in you know a week. Like, I mean, I, I need this. 
So I, I would be a little bit more strict with that to make sure I'm really working with the right people. Um, what else? I, I would. Uh, I know what you do. I don't know what else I would do. I know what you would do. What would I do? Um, you you would have started your network effect sooner. Like you grew the network, That's but true. you would have you would have found well. How do I take these hundred thousand people on LinkedIn? and do even more for them and turn it into a side business. But that's also with, you know, hindsight is full vision now. Like you, yeah. now that you've done that, you know that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I know that's probably one thing you would, you would do. Yeah. Did we hit that? Did we, yeah, did we, did we, uh, did we help? Yeah, increasing LTV of existing existing clients is a really big one because it's easier to sell to a customer that you've already got than like basically like take on a new one. But that that that's a, that's a compelling point. That's been something that I was like, how do I turn a deal into a huge deal? Like, what what's it takes to, for it to be like a next level deal? I keep trying to think like what would I have to take to be that. And I think the also thing is like don't serve people that aren't in the ICP because if they're not in the ICP, you can't give them replicable results mismatch expectations and you won't deliver they won't be happy and then there's negative reference out there at the end of the day so i think that's both like compelling pieces of advice for 28 year old hopefully we don't all get replaced by ai and it can actually apply that advice well <laughs> by the time you're our age you might be replaced but luckily, <laughs> luckily for you we're so much older than you that means you got a long time to go and try how can people reach out to you what's the best way for oh, you? Yeah. The best way people can reach out to me is on LinkedIn. If you just um, type in like Luke Shalom, like I'll be the first ranked search result should be. Thank God for LinkedIn SEO and having an interesting last name. And they can send me a DM there. Good yeah, I'm kind of screwed on that one. Yeah. I, I, when was the last time you like searched your name? I, there might, There's probably a few Scott Leases. Not a lot, but like I bet there's like four or five. Well, but part of it is it has to do with like if you're already connected to them, it brings that up first and yeah. shit like that. So, well, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm the best one. All right. So we interrupted Luke. Luke, how else can they get a hold of you on LinkedIn? Is that the easiest? What's your website? Want to get that out? That's the easiest way. The website will be um, is under construction as it has been for like the last six months. We've been closing deals. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> all that. Priorities in the right place. Deals, gotta close deals, revenue yes. matters. I don't need a fucking yes, website. Yes, yes, I'm yes. gonna get out there and sell it. Like, you hear it. that, Richard? Yeah, he, he's one of my disciples. Have you not got a website, Scott? Well, I, took, I only got one like fairly recently. I did, I did, did, I did. How long? I, I was, how long? No, you got about three years, four years. I was doing consulting for like four years before I got a website. That's not true. That's a lie. Yes, it is. Scott, I <laughs> sat there and helped you write it. No, I'm not talking about when I went all in. I was doing consulting oh, and advising for, for sure. four years before I ever got a website. I only got it once no. I went once I went all in. So the personal brand is the website, man. There you go. The personal brand is the brand. That's it. Brand they will be able brand. to reach out to me on website, but I don't have a domain, so I can't even say it. Like that's 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 a bit disappointing. But Luke Shalom on LinkedIn. Hit me up. There you go. <laughs> That's easy. Makes it easier too. So Luke, man, this has been a real pleasure. So um, Scott is going to ask you now for your credit card and which week in, the, you know, are you coming the last week in November for surfing sales? Because, you know, the good thing is, Scott, I think we're recruiting in the wrong place. 
because it's the week after Thanksgiving. I think we should be recruiting outside the United States. That's right. Where Thanksgiving yeah. doesn't exist. Where Thanksgiving doesn't exist. And, so. and also where uh, warm weather doesn't exist. Right. So, so Luke, you coming? Are you in? Come on. I'm not opposed to it. I'm going to give you that classic objection. I'm going to need to think about it. Yeah. Oh, what that means is he needs to close a few more deals. So well, it, it, does, it, does, well, it does mean that. It means that I really want to come. And I've spoken to Scott about this before. I am trying to like persuade a friend to come with me as well. I come on my one. Why do you need a friend? Now you know us. I've got I've got the buddies here. I've got Richard and Scott. Like, why should I come? Like, what's the elevator pitch for Surf and Sales? Dude, don't don't worry about them. You need new friends. Uh, yeah, but like, what's what's? Oh, do worry uh, about them. That's two people coming instead of one. Don't listen to Richard, Luke. You and I will keep <laughs> upsell, 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 upsell. Are you are you married? Is that what I need to think about? <laughs> are, you, are you a married man? Oh <laughs> my god. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes <laughs> today's wonderful episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. We hope you had fun. We're all busting up laughing. We loved it. Hope you do, too. We'll see you next time on the Surf and Sales Podcast. Pleasure. <laughs> Richard's trying to find the stop recording button. <laughs>